Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In 1999, the walls of hell cracked, and fallen angels condemned to an eternity in the abyss were suddenly able to flee. With no choice but to come to terms with the decaying remnants of the paradise they helped create, these escaped fallen must now decide whether they will rebuild their masterpiece or burn it to a cinder. Hello and welcome to Demon the Fallen Fragments, a Demon the Fallen game set in Rochester, New York in the year 2001. This story features the character of Azoth, played by Tillman, Erichel, played by Rebecca, Brawlman, played by Adam, and Abathar, played by Slavic. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM, on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night, and on Discord at Twin Cities by Night. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode four of Demon the Fallen Fragments. Today we join our intrepid demons as Lauren races to the hospital to figure out what the hell happened to her roommate, Brian. Apparently he was stabbed. The remainder of our demons are currently trying to figure out what's going on with the dead homeless woman that they came across, and we will get back to them shortly. We will begin with Lauren. So, Adam, what is Lauren's slash Brawlman's first thought as she hops into the car? Honestly, it's just, I hope Brian doesn't die. I hope I can get to him before he dies. Maybe there's something I can do to prevent that from happening. He's like one of the few people that Brawlman sort of knows from Lauren's life. So uh, he feels like he needs to protect him, kind of keep him alive. So uh, Brawlman just wants to go like right away, just get to Brian and see what's going on. Lauren it would be kind of freaking out manically, sort of trying to ask what happened. Uh, I forget who it was that had rode by and picked her up. I believe it was one of her friends. I'm assuming just like a mortal friend that Brian knows or something like that. Somebody from the building or somebody that hangs out near the building. I would just be asking what happened. How did this happen? I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just heard. I mean, I went over there to visit while they were doing band practice and the other guys were standing there telling me the story. I mean, everyone's freaked out. There was blood all in the hallway and everything. Where is he now? They, uh, they called an ambulance. I said they, I think they were going to uh, strong. That's where we're headed. They're taking him to the emergency room. What, when did this happen? Uh, like, like an hour ago. Okay, I, I, need to think, I need to think on this until we get there. And Lauren's just going to turn her head and, and face out the window and probably start to notice some uh, tears welling up in her eyes. Not, not actually falling, but to Brawlman, it's just a strange sensation that he feels. It's like overpowering. It's like, whoa. She's worried about him, and he can feel that. Okay. The drive only takes maybe about 10 minutes. As Lauren looks out the window, she takes note of how cracked the pavement is on the route there. And at one point, you're driving along uh, what could maybe in the past have been a very beautiful street. You know, On the left-hand side, there's a rundown. It looks like it used to be a KFC in the old style where, you know, you could distinctly tell which fast food restaurant was a building because they all had their distinctive styles. Like how you can always recognize a Pizza Hut on site because of the way the roof is shaped. So you see what looks like in, you know, Lauren's memories. At one point, it was probably a KFC. 
but now it's a Chinese restaurant and the window's cracked. There's ivy crawling up one side of the building. One of the panels on the sign is missing, but there's still smoke coming out of the top. You know, she notices on the other side of the road, there's projects, housing projects that may have been reasonable at one point, but now they're in clear disrepair, bricks out of place, crumbling corners on the walls, the little guardrails on the balconies kicked out here and there. It looks like the metal rusted in some spots. And of course, the parking lot is just a crisscross pattern of cracks and splits with tufts of weeds poking out here and there. And the road continues on through what would have been, it is a very historic part of the city. You know, looking to the left and to the right, you see mansions from 100 years ago, 150 years ago, kept up impeccably. Fresh coats of paint. It looks like everything's been repaired. Smaller shops in between them. Some are in good shape, some are in poor shape. And eventually you drive past a very large cemetery. The iron fence along the perimeter of the cemetery is clearly seen better days. It's leaning in places, it's rusted. There are locations where concrete posts that once helped support it have decayed and crumbled away to the point where there's maybe one or two rusted pieces of metal touching over a small pile of rocks as two parts of the fence lean in different directions. You kind of get a little weird sensation up and down your spine as you pass the cemetery. The first gate that you pass for the cemetery indicates that it's Mount Hope Cemetery. Is there any way I can tell uh, what the sensation is that I feel? Is it faith? Is it something different than that? Would I know? As you go by, um, yeah, I'll give it to you. You stop for a second and you recognize exactly where it came from. It's the deep, aching, bottom of your soul cold that you felt in the pit. And it's not like an in-depth, consuming sensation. It's just like a little sprinkle of it. You know, like you ran your fingers along a frosted window and you just touched the cold slightly, but you felt it all up and down your spine. Lauren would just shudder as they passed the cemetery and probably even just just look away, eyes closed, facing the other direction, not facing the window anymore, just wincing. The other side of the road is a collection of very cute little houses. Again, some are better kept than others. One has what looks like a small, an oversized bird birdhouse in the front yard, except for the glass door. It's like a little library, a free library that someone put in their front yard. A lot of vines and creepers in this neck of the woods. And eventually the houses give way to smaller businesses. There's a comic book store, um, a couple restaurants, a bar. And you find yourself at what looks to be a major corner, a major intersection. And you end up turning right. And this entire time the cemetery is on your right-hand side. And just there's that still creeping sensation that something's not quite right. You don't get the chill, but you still have a creeping sensation that something is not quite right with the cemetery. And on the left, you see a decrepit Wegmans parking lot. Again, just a field of cracks and splits. The Wegmans has clearly seen better days. It looks like it was built maybe in the 70s, early 80s. You know, the parking lot's about a third full. People are shopping there, but the siding is coming off in places. You know, some of the yellow posts along the edge of the parking lot 
are cracked and split, chunks missing. You go further down, and eventually on the left, you start seeing a brick complex, and you realize that that's a hospital. You see a couple of ambulances pulling out. Um, There's a police car parked over by the emergency room. Large parking garage off to the left. You guys park in the parking garage, walk across a skyway into the building proper, and you go down an elevator. You're in the lobby. The girl you're with is just rushing, uh, and you know, there's a lot of noise here. There's a lot of people coming and going. It's a very busy place. Numerous doctors, nurses, techs, pedestrians. Uh, as you go through the lobby, there's a small coffee shop on your right, sort of freestanding coffee bar. The guy at the uh, security slash welcome desk doesn't bat an eye as you guys rush past. In fact, he's more interested in the book that he's reading than he is in anything going on around them. He just doesn't seem to care. And... Suddenly, you are no longer in the hospital. You are in this grand hall made of marble and gold and stones and metals that have not existed since the fall. And scattered on the floor are various soldiers supporting your cause in various states of recovery. Fallen, flit between them, tending a bandage, using their lures to heal them. And then bam, you're back in the hospital waiting impatiently in front of an elevator. The person with you is looking at you like, whoa, are you okay? It's nothing. Fine. I, we just need to get to Brian now. And Lauren will be kind of thinking about... Where'd, where'd you go there? You just, you muttered something in like a weird language. That will, that will give uh, Lauren and Brahman a kind of like a fear. Just like, did I... Did I let that out? You know, did I kind of worries about maybe like letting some of her form slip out or something like that. I don't even know if she's like necessarily seen, you know, what her, her form is or what her visage is and like what that's capable of being, you know, like how that would, but she just kind of worried like, Oh shit. What did I just say? The elevator dings doors open. The two of you step in. There's this exhausted looking gentleman in there. He's got the doctor's coat on. His badge identifies him as a doctor. Sort of Middle Eastern features, possibly Indian. He is leaning up against the corner of the elevator, looking like he is mostly or half asleep at least. Just dropped that exhausted. There's a couple of folders in his hand precariously positioned as if he twitches the wrong way. They're just going to scatter all over the floor. Elevator button gets hit. You guys start slowly going down. You hear a gentle snore from the back corner. What is in Brawlman's head right now? This just isn't going fast enough. I I need to get down there. I need to see Brian. Uh, I, I can't let this happen to Lauren. I can't let her lose somebody she, she cares about in some way. At this point, Lauren would probably be getting noticeably anxious would probably kind of start trying to pace in the small space that is the elevator. People would probably start, you know, looking at her strangely. And she can't really pace, but she can sort of, you know, shift from one foot to the other. Just kind of like turning back and forth, sort of like looking for like an out. Even though you're only going down one floor, it's an agonizingly slow process. Brahman just it seems like Brawlman wants to be there 10 minutes ago. The elevator eventually slows, stops. Bing! Door opens. There's a snort from the guy in the corner. 
And of course, all of the papers in his hand scatter on the floor as he snaps awake. Is this the fifth floor? I just, I don't even, if this is like the floor where the, where the girl was like uh, leading, then I'm not even paying attention to this guy who was dozing off in the elevator. And I'm just going to like leave his trail of papers like behind me as I just storm off to whatever floor I'm on and start pacing back, like, you know, frantically looking, running down the, the aisles, looking in rooms, just trying to find Brian, just, you know, poking my head into a room seeing that it's a, an elderly person and just running back out and going to the next room. Well, you pop, out, you pop out into what looks like a very utilitarian hallway. You know, there's like a negative one sign on the, hall, on the wall across from where the elevator opens up. And the girl that you're with just goes out of you know, that little alcove that you're in with the elevators and turns left and goes straight down the hallway. And as you turn to look down that hallway, you see a fairly large number of people in what looks like a waiting area behind a set of very heavy wooden doors. And after a second, you realize that you're in the emergency room. There's people coughing. There's one older woman vomiting into one of those pink hospital tubs made from that flimsy plastic that they hand out. There's a kid who's clearly got a compound fracture. Like his bone is visibly jutting through his leg. And it's just you know, very tightly controlled chaos. You know, people are ill, people are coughing, people are bleeding. There's three police officers plus an armed security guard by the doors that you're walking through. And the reception staff look so beat, bags under their eyes. It's early in the day too, relatively speaking, but they've got bags under their eyes. They've got, you know, empty coffee cups left and right. You know, styrofoam cups. There's a fast food container on one of the tables against the back wall. Looks like it uh, had pizza and or wings in it at one point, judging by the bones sticking out. And suddenly you're back in that grand hall again with soldiers in various states of recovery. And as you walk through that grand hall, you just can't help but to weep. Your tears are molten gold. And as they hit the floor... They shatter into various specks of gems, emeralds and diamonds and opals. And you are just this lamenting and radiant figure walking through all this pain and suffering. To your left, you see a man holding in his intestines, waiting for one of your brethren to heal him. To the right, there is a woman with one arm, her other arm holding the missing arm, likewise waiting. You smell cooked flesh, and you look further down the hall, and there's a trio of figures writhing in agony, trying to scream out their pain, but they cannot because their vocal cords have been cooked. And bam, you're back in the hospital, and the girl you're with is talking to one of the police officers. Well, how is he? When, can you tell me anything more? <sighs> no, miss, I can't tell you anything further. It's an ongoing investigation. We've already spoken with anybody who was a possible witness. All I can tell you is that he's in surgery and that he said something about Lauren. That's all I can say. I'm Lauren. I'm just going to kind of like... And at that, the officer kind of like, oh, he gets that look. So you're Lauren? Yeah, I'm, I'm Lauren. I'm, I'm his friend. I'm his neighbor. Okay, ma'am, I'm going to have to have a word with you in private if uh, you don't mind. Where... We need to make sure Brian's okay. I, I can't leave here. He's in surgery. 
That's all I can say, but I do need to speak with you. Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm sorry. And Lauren will start trying to back away. Look, I can't force you to speak with me, ma'am, but I do need to speak with you. Here's my card, and he hands you a card. Talk to me when you're ready. She'll kind of do one of those visibly like hard swallows, like a deep gulp, and she'll take the card and just kind of like look at him tensely. And while she's looking at him, there's a commotion off to her right. What do you mean we can't get in right away? We've been here for an hour and a half! Lauren looks over to see what's going on. There is an angry, angry woman screaming at one of the clerks with what looks like, you know, she's waving her arm and pointing back at what looks like her, maybe her husband or her boyfriend, who seems to be doubled over in pain on one of the chairs. And she's just continuing to scream, we need to see a doctor right now! And the clerk entirely blasé to this woman screaming, ma'am, we're getting everyone through as quickly as we can. Please take your seat and wait for your name to be called. That is unacceptable. Ma'am, if necessary, we will call security. And you realize that two of the cops are already walking over to her. Brahman is kind of horrified by what's going on. Being a Faustian, he values humanity, hates to see like a human suffer like this and to just to see somebody kind of going through the motions and just uh, appearing so unsympathetic to what's going on. Very horrifying. Like what has this world become? You know, what is this? The, this is the, the paradise that they, that they have. And like, this is how they, yeah, this is how they treat each other, but doesn't want to get involved. Definitely wouldn't want to get involved. The two officers go over And they calmly and politely try to engage with the woman. And she just keeps screaming, yelling at the officers, yelling at the clerk. Eventually, one of the officers raises his voice. And she kind of turns in on herself a little bit and gets meek. And then sits down after a minute. One of the officers remains on that half of the waiting room. The other one comes back and starts shooting the shit with the security guard again. The officer that engaged with Lauren is just standing at the main entrance into the back emergency department itself, watching the crowd. The radios occasionally chirp and mutter something to them, but the volume's too low to really tell what's being said. Lauren will probably try to get the cops' attention because not knowing what Brian had said is like just, it's too much. And the fact that he wasn't going to try to apprehend her, you know, Lauren is like more comfortable that this guy was perfectly content to just give her the card and let her go. Like she's not under arrest for anything. I think Brahman would have kind of felt like a sense of fight or flight when the, the police officer asked to go talk somewhere, you know? Yeah. As she starts to walk towards the officer, another doctor comes out from the doors behind the officer that the officer is guarding. He's got various stains on his coat and he looks just, again, exhausted, like completely worn down. And he just sort of mumbles something to the cop and then heads off towards the elevators. And the cop turns to watch him go. And as you approach, the cop is turning back to keep an eye on the crowd in the emergency room. And he looks Lauren up and down. You ready to have that conversation, miss? Yeah, I think so. Can we have it here? Yeah, you might want to have this one in private. Okay. And he turns and sort of mumbles something into his shoulder, gets a response, very staticky response, and 
Ten four. Where's the girl that I came with? Is she um, is she still around? She is. She is talking to one of the clerks, trying to figure out how to get a visitor's pass to go into the back. Yeah, I'm just going to try to, you know, go do my own thing while she's she's handling that. Okay. And so yeah, I'll just I'll just um, you know, be standing next to the cop. The officer takes you down the hallway, and eventually you find just. A little nook, a quiet nook near some vending machines where you can sit down. There's a few chairs there. He looks at the vending machine. He looks at you. You want a soda? Look, what is this? What happened to Brian? Who did this? All right. He sits down. Looks like Brian caught someone trying to break into your studio. And when he confronted the intruder, I guess the guy stabbed him seven times. Is what the doctor said. Lauren is just shocked. She just has no words. She's just staring blankly. Is he gonna? Is he gonna live? Uh, the doctors are working on it now, but we'll see. I'm a little more concerned for your safety, ma'am. Whoever it was, it from the sound, what little I got out of uh, your friend before he passed out and then was brought back into surgery. Whoever was there was looking for you, apparently, and I'm gonna guess they had some uh, unpleasant intentions for you that uh, Brian caught. He was just being a good friend. I can't believe this happened. Is there anyone that you can think of that may wish you ill? I'm sorry, officer. I didn't uh, catch what your name was. Uh, it, it's right there on my card. Colin Stokes. Thank you. Um, He's got a little golden name tag on his uniform that says C. Stokes. Officer Stokes, I, I don't have many friends. Uh, I really don't talk to much of anybody. Well, someone was certainly angry with you or for some reason meant you harm. It's there and have, have there been any sort of unusual incidents that you can think of any trouble that you've had recently? Um, at this point, the brawlman is kind of starting to just think about how, how seamlessly he is engaging with this, this mortal, like through Lauren, how just like this, this sort of like responses are just kind of like, kind of like pouring out and Brahman will just decide to end this conversation. Uh, so Lauren stands up and just turns away from the, from the officer and just, uh, just starts exiting the hospital. She's just going to leave. She has to meet with the others. Um, and without any kind of, I don't know, she's not going to excuse herself or anything like that. Just stand up and just, just start leaving. All right. Try to get a cab outside. As she starts to walk away, the officer will be like, Miss, Miss. And he'll, you know, rush over and grab her wrist. Miss, if someone's out there for you trying to trying to hurt you, we're here to help. Anything you could tell me could could save you. I just pull my wrist like out of his grasp and I just turn around and just keep walking. He is he has a very surprised look on his face, not realizing quite how strong you were at first. And as you walk off, you hear from behind you, fine, just call 911 when the crazy motherfucker shows up to stab your ass. And with a disgusted snort, the officer turns and walks back down the hallway towards the emergency room. Yeah, and Lauren is just, you know, letting the whole scene of the hospital just kind of like fade out behind her. And I I imagine like the outside of a hospital is still equally as, as chaotic, but just letting that whole scenery just just fade out, and she's just trying to get in touch with the with the others. Um, she needs to let them know what's going on right away. She steps outside. It is 
there's like this very different sensation when she's outside or not sensation atmosphere. The moment the sliding doors close behind her, the chaos of the emergency room just seems to evaporate. Yes, there's a couple of ambulances off to her left with the crews rapidly unloading people into the emergency room. And yes, across the street, directly across the street from the hospital, is the cemetery that gave her that creepy, creepy vibe. But there's almost like this weird moment of peace. And as she looks up and around at her surroundings, she realizes that sort of standing between the hospital and the cemetery, she sort of stands between life and death. People on the one side, long gone, crumbled to dust, or recently gone, and working their way towards dust, people on the other side fighting to live with every ounce of their being or coming into the world as new life. It's just a weird dichotomy that strikes Brawlman. Brawlman is almost tempted to pursue the the cemetery more, kind of follow that, that sensation, but feels like there's more important matters at hand than, than just going there now. Give me a quick wits perception, please. Looking across to the cemetery... You notice, what the fuck? You notice Tazaniel walking through the cemetery. What? What is she? Lauren will just call out, hey, just see if she can get her to turn around. She doesn't respond to Lauren's voice, but it's definitely her just walking through the cemetery with that big ass book of hers. Wait, I start running after her. Like I'm just full on just trying to run after her. Give me a wit's dexterity. As you run across the four lanes between the hospital and the cemetery, you do avoid getting hit by a car. Behind you, you hear the blare of a horn, along with a very angry voice, Get out of the goddamn road, you crazy bitch! Use a fucking crosswalk! I just keep going. At the horn and the yelling, Tazaniel kind of stops and turns, like, what the hell just happened? Very quizzical look on her face. And then she sees you, and she recognizes you, and gives a happy little wave. And then turns... Motions with her hand and seems to just cut the air open. Steps through the hole in the air and the hole vanishes behind her. What? What? Lauren is just standing dumbfounded, hands on her hips, just kind of staring back back and forth, looking at the ground, just trying to figure out like what the hell just happened. And she's like, and now she's kind of like off track. Like she's sort of out here in the cemetery, like, away from where she can hail a cab or anything like that. And it's kind of like, you know, she's, she's kind of just like out alone out here now. And she's wondering like, what the hell just happened? First of all, like, why wouldn't she stay and talk to me? And why was she out here? And like, how did she do that? And why did she do that? It's more stuff I need to tell the others. Well, Lauren is standing along the outside of the fence to the cemetery. Um, crumbled concrete, rusted iron, um, flecks of old black paint flaking off of the iron. There is, down a ways, an old gate. The chain seems to have been broken. Can I see, like, what's beyond the gate? Like, where it goes? Yeah, it goes right into the cemetery. And, um, how do I feel right now about being there when it gave me a strange sensation before? You you still have that weird... It doesn't hit you quite as hard. It doesn't send a chill down your spine. But if you take a moment to focus, you can still feel that sort of bottomless emptiness. It's interesting to Brawlman that he gets a reaction from this place, and yet Tazaniel was kind of just roaming here coincidentally. It's strange, like really strange. And Brawlman doesn't really 
understand like the full nature doesn't doesn't remember uh he doesn't have like a strong remembrance of of the war and you know like that whole past so it's kind of he's kind of just trying to figure out like what is this that i feel and like what is this that just happened and like what is this place you know so probably would would just feel like a pull from this cemetery almost yeah that's a fair way to uh assess it and as you're standing there at the gate you hear a few honks behind you you turn and it looks like there's some sort of traffic clusterfuck as people are trying to get into the emergency room some people are trying to get out and i guess someone rushed through the red light and people had to stop and some angry people honking at each other but you notice among them among the various cars, you notice a couple of cabs that look like they're dropping people off. I kind of try to hurry over to, to one that's still parked, you know, maybe in that in-between time that somebody's exiting and I'll try to sneak in and hop in and be the next passenger. Uh, but I'm going to tr- just try to rush up and just like make that happen as soon as I can. Yeah, you managed to score a cab. It's a minivan with a, you know, it's a bright yellow minivan with the logo painted on it. And Cabby looks at you, flips the meter. Where to? Uh, home. Uh, I, I suppose you need my address. Uh, yeah, that'd be good. And uh, Lauren will just kind of recite uh, where. I mean, unless you want to go home with me. Just silence at that. <laughs> Fine. Have it your way then. And he'll pull away and exit the hospital and hop onto the roads. Get you back to your place, your studio. In the Hungerford building, he pulls up outside. All right, that'll be twenty-eight bucks. Yeah, sure. I'm and I'm like fishing through my uh, purse, and I just get these like really, really crumpled up bills, and it kind of takes me like a while to get it all together. They're kind of like all in separate places throughout the the handbag. They're not just like in the wallet like like most people do. Um, so it's like a dollar here, like a, tw- a crumpled up 20 over here. And just like, just taking a minute to find like the whole amount. And um, yeah, she'll eventually get it all there and give it to him and just kind of exit the vehicle. And you pay an exact change? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, fucking bitch. He pulls away. <laughs> like Lauren probably, um, this type of thing is not phasing her at the moment. There's more, there's more, uh, complex stuff at work than just like these kind of simple human feelings that are just uh, coming out tonight. There's something more cosmic going on. All right. So you are now standing outside of the building that your studio is in. So I reluctantly am just going to go get myself inside and just, just like hardly walk up to where me and Brian's apartments are. You walk up the stairs and you can almost feel a strange energy in the air that something violent has happened here. It's not so much a physical sensation as it is just a knowing, a very weird knowing. And you realize that you're, that Brahman is drawing this from Lauren. It's an anticipation stepping into, eh, not so much stepping into danger, but stepping into something where danger occurred and that you still need to be on the lookout just in case. You know, there's an anticipation, there's a nervousness there. You know, just yesterday, this was a normal place. And now it is the scene of a violent attack that was meant for Lauren or you, you're not sure. And there's a weight that that distinction gives to it that you start to feel through Lauren as you climb the stairs. 
you open the doorway from the stairwell into the hallway. And the first thing that hits you is the smell. You're used to the smell of the building itself. You're used to the smell of the paints and the materials that you worked with and the ozone of your welding equipment. You're used to the smell of the incense that the guys would light like crazy to cover up the drugs they were doing. You're used to, you know, the bleach that people would occasionally spill in the hallway and pretend it was mopping. But when you step into the hallway, the first thing that really hits you is the smell of blood. It's not super potent, but it stands out from the standard background smells. That metallic, sticky, wet smell. That very visceral, fleshy smell of blood. And looking down the hallway, you see just a large puddle of it smeared through with footsteps and other markings that you can't quite identify. You glance down and there's bloody footprints at your feet leading up to the stairwell. It looks like, you know, people were just marching through the puddle left and right. And in a way, it feels very disrespectful. Part of a man's life is on the floor and there are footsteps through it. You know, he could die. I was going to say that, that uh, feeling would hit Brahman very hard that this is somebody who is involved through Lauren, through the host, through no fault of like his own and through no fault of, of Lauren. And to just have people trample over his, his life's blood is just like so symbolically like hurtful for, for Brahman. And it's, it would, it would make Lauren tear up and, and cry. And as, Brawlman wipes the tears away from Lauren's eyes. They stung. They kind of burned a little, which is unusual for Brawlman to have to really feel this again. And as the tears are wiped away, Brawlman is standing on a hillside. Below her, or below him, is a mass grave. Soldiers in the livery of the rebellion, heaped unceremoniously into a large hole in the ground with numerous devils preparing to incinerate them all. And Brawlman is also weeping, for among those bodies were friends, allies, the people that he is fighting for, wasted, wasted, because the creator could not bear to lose control of creation. Each one of those souls, a light, forever snuffed out, gone to you have no idea where. And Brawlman's eyes start to well up with those molten gold tears and they just fall freely into that pit. And then the smell of blood hits. And Brawlman is once again inside Lauren, inside that hallway, staring at the boot prints and the puddle. Oh, hello again, folks. I'd like to tell you about the Facebook group we run called White Wolf and Onyx Path RPGs Gameplay and Media. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One that won't be drowned out by random posts and discussions so that your media could give the attention you deserve. The group is specifically run with the sole intent of being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. The group is already immense and continuing to rapidly grow. With new media, 
being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.